Good evening, Austin. The time is 7 a.m. on November 22nd, and you're listening to Records and Rebounds on KVRX Austin, HD1 and HD2. Wow. Um, there's been a lot going on in the scene of basketball this past week, and by a lot, I mean a lot. Um, we've had the draft, which was amazingly fun to watch. Um, all of my predictions went completely out the window, which is always a great thing to see. Um, we have free agency that's going on right about now. We have trades being announced and players opting out and tampering fines being alleged. Um, <laughs> all that sort of great stuff going on. Um, we have, unfortunately, some injuries that have been announced, which is always devastating to hear. Um, but I'm going to sideline all of that right now, actually. Um, normally, at the start of these episodes, I divulge into a new segment um, where I sort of catch all up on some of the things that have been going on that you might have missed, but there really is so much going on this week that I'm not even sure if I can fit all of it into one episode. Um, there's a saying I like that it goes something like, um, there are years where weeks happen and weeks where years happen, and to me this is one of those weeks where it feels like years are happening. Um, it might just be because this is my first uh, draft, this is my first free agency that I'm watching, and apparently in light of things, this isn't a very um, stacked draft or free agency compared to, like, let's say next year or last year or anything. Um, but for right now, we're going to have this discussion at the end, which is a bit, of, a bit of a change of pace from how things might be set up with my show. Um, and this is because I actually have a special guest for today. His name is Markel McKinney. He is a former basketball player for Sam Houston State University. And I really just want to have our conversation first because it was super insightful and I had a great time talking about his time in uh, collegiate basketball, um, his experiences as a walk-on, and um, his perspective on the NBA today and how it sort of applies to when he played and how he was sort of witness or didn't witness how the game was evolving at the time sort of all that stuff, sort of great stuff, and I really want to highlight that first. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and start playing that right now. Um, stay tuned. It is a phenomenal interview. Um, and then at the end, I'm definitely going to have time still. And from there, I'm going to start getting into some of the news from this week. And I'm just going to keep going till the end of the episode, really. Um, I don't think I'm going to get through everything. If I do, great. But if not, I'm going to go ahead and keep that going into next week. Because um, I'm sure this next week as well is going to be full of news, so the, the next episode might just be a whole news episode. Who knows? Uh, but for right now, um, stay tuned for this interview. I had a blast recording it, and I hope you have a blast listening to it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with Markel McKinney, a former Sam Houston State basketball player. So, Markel, how you doing today, man? Good, man. How about yourself, man? I'm good. I'm good. Um, so, let's just go ahead and get right into it. So, I guess we should start off and just get your perspective, your biography. So how'd you start playing basketball in the first place? Oh, man. Hey, well, first off, man, I appreciate your time, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Uh, but, man, basketball, how'd I get to it? I mean, I had a love for the game pretty early. It wasn't really – I wouldn't say that there's anybody in particular that kind of put the ball in my hand. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the first time I played organized basketball was – third grade wow and uh that's when I was on the team I remember because it was like 
I remember doing my first right hand layup with one hand. It was like the best thing in my life. I thought I was the coolest person ever. <laughs> uh, but man, yeah, it wasn't really, and it was just kind of just history for Barry. So it wasn't really like anybody in particular. Um, I obviously grew up watching like a like Kobe, Vince Carter, Jordan in his later days. Yeah. Um, Tracy McGrady. Um, but so like all of those guys, and of course, obviously LeBron James. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't anybody in particular. I think I started to really fall in love with basketball um, when I started to get, I mean, kind of good, uh, which was probably around like sixth, seventh, eighth grade, like those middle school years. Um, was awesome. I don't. I mean, I don't. I mean, I think we 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 had some some really good i mean it's hard to tell like how good kids are well it's back then i mean because there wasn't much like social media now you can you got guys committing to duke at second grade uh but yeah i mean we we didn't have much social media back then but we knew we were pretty good i knew i was pretty good um back in those like middle school days man yeah definitely it's really interesting hearing like the sort of players like you grew up watching. Is there anyone that you sort of modeled your game after or that you really just looked up to as a player? Uh, it was LeBron James, bro, obviously. Uh, we, so myself, uh, I was a big LeBron guy as soon as, I, as soon as he came into the league. And when he came into the league, that was like, I don't know, I'm thinking I'm like middle school. And um, we were kind we weren't built the same, but I was a little bigger than some of the other guys that I was playing with. Um, so I kind of like, I tried to model my game after him. Um, it's, it's kind of pretty hard to do. <laughs> oh yeah. He's kind of, he's, he's all right. He's an all right. <laughs> he's, all right. he's all right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, LeBron James was like my guy to this day. I'm, I'm, I'm a big LeBron guy. I love it. Love the way he plays. I was always, uh, and I thought LeBron was, I don't know. I was just obsessed with the whole, like, no-look pass. So, like, LeBron oh, yeah. James and the Magic Johnson, like, those guys, I was, like, that was my thing. Did you ever I got in trouble so many times. You ever pull one off in the game? Oh, 100%, yeah. That was, <laughs> oh, that was, I got in trouble so many times when, when it would go good, it was good, it was beautiful, it was pretty, but it, when it went bad, somebody wasn't ready or bounced out of bounds or something like that, you know, oh, get fearful. <laughs> but when it, it was executed it was executed beautifully oh man yeah <laughs> so yeah so you started getting really good around like seventh and eighth grade of course yeah. you started playing into high school so just basically what was your experience like playing in high school and then eventually transitioning into playing in college yeah man so um like i said i mean i started to get good seventh eighth grade ninth grade was really a year where I was like, all right, what do you want to do? Because I played football as well. I mean, I played football, did track, did pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. um, but high school, that's when it was like, all right, make the decision of do you want to play football or you want to play basketball? Um, I was playing football, saw one of my guys' bone pop out of his knee, and I was like, all right, I don't want that to happen to me, so I'm playing basketball. Mm -hmm. um, so... Transitioning into high school basketball was fully basketball. So ninth grade um, was pretty good. I was, uh, at the time, so I, I went to a school in Cypress, South Springs High School. We're 5A school. So, I mean, a bunch of students, pretty large high school. And I was my freshman year, freshman day, 
uh, for a long part and then kind of moved up to junior varsity then varsity my freshman year um so that's when i was like okay man i may be i may be all right <laughs> uh and so yeah man it was just i mean high school basketball was fun my, my high school coaches were I mean, those are people that, I mean, are going to have had a big impact in my life mentally, physically. Um, um, guys, I still communicate with to, the, to this day. Um, but high school basketball was fun, man. High school basketball was fun. We, I was kind of a, I, I started to see, I was kind of like a mid-major guy. Um, a lot of these, I mean, like a, UT, uh, UTEP, SFA, Lockett, some of the schools that were recruiting me um, once I got to like my junior, senior year. Um, and then my junior year, I tore my ACL. Um, junior year going into this, going into my senior year. Um, it was like in the prom recruiting season in, in July in Las Vegas at a big time tournament. First game, tore my ACL. And then after that, I mean, all the coaches that were calling me obviously stopped calling. Um, yeah, and then I had the opportunity to walk on at Sam Houston. Um, again, my high school coach, um, we kind of sat down, and I was initially committed to going to a D2 at Dallas Baptist. I was I was really just going to any school that was going to pay for my education because I, I was broke. I didn't have no plan. Uh, so I was going to any school that was going to pay for my education. Um, but me and my high school coach kind of sat down. We had a conversation like, hey, you, you, you've always been talented enough to play at this level. Um, what do you think about walking on? And, uh, yeah, it was history from there. I, I got the opportunity to walk on that first year. And, uh, yeah, it was a game changer. I was able to – I mean, luckily I was able to play my senior year, so it wasn't like I just missed my whole senior year of basketball. I had to play with a knee brace, but, I mean, it was fine. I was able to play. Um, ended up being able to walk on the sand, which was a game changer for me. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, I was doing a little bit of research on, uh, the years you were at Sam Houston. So one really interesting trend that I noticed was how every single year that you were on the team, the team's record continually improved. So yeah. what sort of changes did y'all make after each season to sort of progress into the next? Man, I, it was just a lot of. Uh, it was a lot of obviously we were putting in work in the gym over the summers. Um, I mean, I think a lot of it was just like we started to get older guys, right? We had this core group of guys when I got there um, that were upperclassmen just kind of coming in as sophomores, JUCOs, and then you had uh, a couple good freshman guys, myself. Um, and yeah, we were kind of like that core that came in, right? So that first year, then just over the years, um, yeah, we just, we, I mean, we all just continued to grow mentally as players, physically, and uh, started to get some really good recruits coming in. So yeah, by the time we were seniors, my senior year, we we set the the record for wins at Sam Houston my, my final year. I think we won, I don't know, 28, 29 games or something like that. But a lot of it was just, uh, just kind of accountability, man. We 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 held ourselves to a high standard as a team. We got on each other uh, when one was down. We picked each other up. We were just a real good. We were just a really good team, man. Definitely. Um. So I know 
especially in college basketball, there's a lot of hype given to, to freshman players, especially knowing that like any second they could just declare for the draft and just stop playing in college. But I feel like the senior and junior players are really unappreciated a lot. So what's it like being the senior on the team? Did you find yourself in more of like a leadership mentor role to some of those younger players? I think you got you, you have to be. I think the best teams, uh, which is why I think like that gap from like mid-major to high-major is shrinking because you got those guys at the mid-major level who stand four years or stand three years and they're leaders, right? You have to have those leaders on the team. You have to have those mentors on the team, guys that can kind of get the team to gel the right way. Um, so that group that I was talking about, um, me and my teammates, we were kind of that core group, right? We were what, if somebody got a line, one of these young guys tried to come in and thought they were going to be the big show and thought they were going to be the man that scored 20 points a game and the whole nine, we immediately shut that out, right? Uh, so I think, I mean, you got to have some, some, you got to have good seniors, got to have good, you got to have a good upper class. Um, to have those really good teams, I think. Mm. Um, I say it's, it's just a crucial part of the game now, um, especially, I mean, at any level. Uh, yeah. I mean, at the NBA level, college level, you got to have leadership. And I think that's really what did it for us, what made us good. We had some good leaders, mm. myself being one of them. Definitely, yeah. So playing across all four years, did you, have to, did you ever have to deal with any other injuries besides, of course, the ACL tear back in high school? Did it ever get re-aggravated or did anything else ever happen? Man, it's, it's crazy you, you ask that. It's like uh, injuries are obviously a part of the game. I felt like I dealt with this, this high ankle sprain for two years, man. I had an ankle sprain for two years. It was crazy. Uh, but, yeah, that was – I had – I had that for two years. It was it was crazy. It was, I was coming up on my sophomore year, um, playing really good. Obviously, went from a walk on, averaging I don't know, um, I don't know, 13, 14 minutes a game as a walk on freshman, which was awesome. And then coming into my sophomore year, I, I was starting, um, playing way better. And then I had my high ankle sprain. Right. Um, I think that was the biggest injury across my college career because it was like a lingering injury, right? It's one, if you don't take care of, it'll mess with you. Um, I think like Christian McCaffrey just came off a high ankle sprain. Um, Jimmy G is, is, is dealing with an ankle sprain right now. Um, so yeah, it was, I mean, and for me, it was just that, it was that one injury that nagged me across uh, nagged across my whole college career, honestly. Um, and then I had some scope surgery in my shoulder um, my senior year, but that was a quick in and out surgery. Was was back and playing, I don't know, within a short amount of time. Um, but it's just part of the game. Yeah. And it's, it's really tough because a lot of cases like that, you really don't have any control over that. So do you – did you really have anyone to sort of, like, support you through this? Like, anyone in particular that really was sort of – guiding you through it all? Uh, through the injuries, um, obviously my mom would. I mean, my, my mom was a big part of uh, my support group, my support system. My mom, my family here, uh, local. My mom came up and actually took me to took me to the hospital, took me back to my dorm after the surgery. Uh, 
So yeah, big shout out to her. I think the coaches and the 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 athletic and um, the facility, the the trainers, they 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 play a big they played a big role in that as well. I mean, um, obviously, kind of getting me through rehab, getting me back to one hundred percent each and every each each injury each time it was aggravated each time uh after i got shoulder surgery um so yeah i mean my mom was a, i mean my family was a big part of my support system the trainers were awesome um which is i mean i think that's essential for any good program mm. so as much as i'd love to go through all four of your years and just dive in it'd probably take like at least three of these segments so i'm gonna go ahead and do like a little rapid fire segment so I'm going to ask you a question. Just go ahead and give an answer. Um, if you want to expand upon that, definitely feel free. But let's go ahead and get into it. Yeah. So who's the best overall player that you ever faced? Best overall player ever faced? Um, probably Victor Oladipo. We played him uh, my second year, my sophomore year. Uh, we played Indiana when they were the number one team in the country. Uh, little old Sam Houston. Obviously, we got blown out the water. <laughs> it was crazy, but uh, yeah, he was he was the best. He was the best that I played against him and that team. Cody Zeller was really good and really strong. I mean, you get to that level. I mean, it's it's you can see the difference in talent. You can see the difference athletically. He was. I mean, I'm six three, six four. If I get eight hours of sleep, but he was just faster stronger than us it was just it was a different level man wow yeah um greatest defender you ever went up against yeah uh i'm saying i, I was immediately thinking of just my teammates a couple of teammates of mine uh demarcus gatlin kaheem ransom uh just i mean those were guys that would I mean when they turned it on and they were just hell of defenders in in games too, uh, those are guys that at practice. If I'm going up against them, I'm passing the ball. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to deal with that kind of pressure, man. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, those two guys. If I had to pick anybody, for sure, yeah. Uh, biggest rival, and this can be either a team or a player. Uh, same. Uh, SFA Stephen F. Austin. So we were obviously Southland Conference. That purple and orange, Sam Houston, SFA, that's the biggest rival. I mean, just to come in. Huge rivalry, basketball, football. So anytime we played against, the, I think my four years that we were there, they had a really good team, really good coach. Um, I don't think I beat them one time, which is crazy to think, and I hate to say. Uh, but that was those those were probably the most fun games, man. I mean, crowds were always packed to the to the rim. Uh, a lot of purple, a lot of orange. We played them a bunch, played them a couple of years, just back to back in the conference championship. So those were probably the most fun games. Yeah, actually, I have a bunch of questions about that 2015 championship. So uh, I got a couple more questions, but we can get into that. Yeah. Um, so favorite highlight of yours? Favorite highlight? Uh, man, <laughs> it's funny. I mean, I'll go back to that. Uh, Indiana game, we when they were the number one team in the country, I think I had like 10 points or something like that, 10, 11 points or something like that. But it was crazy because it's like, all right, I was probably like second leading scorer that game or something. I think somebody had 13, I had like 10 or 11 or something like that, which isn't much, 
But it's like, all right, you're playing the number one team in the country. Uh, and so immediately after the game, boom, we lose by 50. Coach yell at us, whatever. Uh, I'm running back to the to the hotel room because I'm hoping I get some shine on ESPN. They got to show one highlight of us with me making a three or something like that. But they didn't show anything, obviously. Um, but my name was a, across the ticker and it was shown all night on ESPN. So that was probably there. You go, yeah. <laughs> uh, favorite overall memory in a game. Uh, favorite overall memory. I say, so like my freshman year, uh, I was a walk on, um, a lot of things happened, got lucky enough to be able to get a bunch of playing time throughout that year. Um, and we were in a conference game against Texas state. Um, uh, and yeah, so again, one of the things that kept me on the floor was I played defense. So this, we were probably at one minute left in the game or something like that. We're playing going up and down and then it gets, we're 30 seconds. Now we're playing, I get switched off to a defender. It's like 30 seconds left, like game on the line. Like I'm, it's the balls in my, it's in my hands to get this stop. Right. So boom, the guy comes, we get to stop. I stop him, lock him up. I get the rebound and it's like, I don't know, five or six seconds left. And we're up by three. Right. So it's an, it's enough. It's, it's not a lot of time, but it's enough time for them. If, if I miss both free throws, they call a timeout, advance the ball, they get a shot to win the game or tie the game, right? Um, so they call a timeout, try to ice me. I go to the free throw line. I got these two. You got a freshman walk on at the line with like five seconds left to win the game. And obviously, I mean, it's, it's just a bunch of pressure. Go to – I missed the first one, missed the front end. So I'm like, sheesh. So, like, <laughs> a bunch of pressure is on me. These guys are talking to me. These guys are in my ear. Coaches in my ear. Um, and shoot the second one, make it. We win the game. Uh, so it was like – that was like my game-winning free throw. There you um, go, yeah. Throw, so that was huge. Wow, yeah. Uh, and then just last one to cap it off, your favorite memory with the team outside of a game. Outside of the game. Uh, sheesh, man. I say, so I, I, you say outside of the game. This is probably still like a part of the game. We were in the game, so we were playing um, Lamar University up in Beaumont. And uh, it was early in the game. We were in some foul trouble. And my coach is going down the line, like trying to pick out guys. Hey, you come in, take the spot. Right. Um, and one of my teammates, he didn't play much, didn't get a lot of playing time. So coach gets down to him. Just he's throwing him in just for a little bit. Uh, he's like, hey, get in. So he gets up, takes his shooter off, and he doesn't have his jersey. <laughs> so Yikes. he's uh so everybody is just like staring at him. And we eventually win the game. So it became just like this huge joke that we can kind of laugh in our group chat about today. Uh, just about him not being ready to play. He needless to say, he didn't get in the game. So, uh, but that was probably most fun, most funny. Definitely, yeah. Um, so yeah, just to cap off your your career in college, um, I wanted to finish on that that championship that you mentioned versus Stephen F. Austin in the uh, 2015 season. So, how did you feel going into it? Like, what was your mindset knowing this is your last year? Um, playing a rival, like, what were you thinking at the time? 
like I said, we had played them in the year before in the same game, same exact game, and we lost. Um, and then so our last year, we were the number two team in the conference. They were the number one team in the conference. So this was set up like to be like the game, biggest game of the year for us. Um, and so we're all just excited. We're, we, we, we've always kind of scouted them and did what we were supposed to do. Um, so we thought this game for sure, we were, we were kind of, we were kind of get them. Um, and so it was, it was just a lot of focus that went into that game. It was a huge game, ESPN two. Uh, so that was probably, that was, a, that, that game was a lot of fun. We, a couple things didn't go our way. Um, so we ended up losing that game. But again, they had a really good team that year. I think they went on to win a game or two in the NCAA tournament that year, if I remember right. Um, but they had a really good team. We ended up losing. Um, but we were good enough to play, to kind of play in the invitationals after the season, not the NCAA tournament, but like the NIT we played, uh, CBI. We played in the CIT that year, College Invitational that year. So we knew it wasn't our last game. Um, but so after the game, it wasn't like, all right, my season is over. But there's always that in the back of your head, that last game. I mean, that that conference championship game or that last game uh, or any tournament, so, so to speak, um, that this could be your last game. So um, that was a fun game. That was a fun game. Definitely, yeah. Um. So one thing that I kind of wanted to – get your perspective on was kind of seeing basketball then when you played versus like now um so one thing that's just completely prevalent today in basketball is the complete reliance on the three-pointer especially like with some teams like my favorite the houston rockets like big into three-pointing three-point shooting um and when you were playing in college that sort of revolution was just being ushered in that's when James Harden was starting to really shine. Stephen Curry was going off. Um, did you see this transformation occurring in basketball, like in college basketball? Uh, you know what? I mean, we there we we played against guys that were uh, that had like extended range, but it wasn't every game, right? So I didn't see it much. You definitely we definitely saw it. We definitely there were scout reports where it's like, all right. Once this guy crosses the line, you get in him because he will pull from one step across the free throw line. Um, so you started to see it. Obviously, you see it more now than I mean, from when I when I when I was in school was like five years ago. Um, so you see it more now. I mean, I don't. I think it's just a part of the game now. I mean, it's a part of the evolution of the game. I mean. It's more exciting to watch. I'm sure you'd agree watching the Rockets is one of my favorite teams to watch. Mm. Uh, it's just a part. I mean, the game has evolved, right? You got more guys shooting threes. Uh, you got, I mean, it changes the way you have to defend. It changes the way you guard ball screens. It changes everything. Um, so I'm a, fan. I'm a fan. I love watching it. I love watching uh, like that high-paced basketball. For sure, yeah. Um, so when younger players were coming to the team, did they start – practicing shooting more threes than you were used to or is it kind of like similar as it always been did you really notice anything going on there uh it was it, it was we, i played with probably one of the best three-point shooters in sam houston history um and 
I would obviously I would see him putting up obviously more shots before and after games, more threes. I think he was kind of known for his three point shot in high school. So I knew he was a good shooter coming in. Um, he obviously turned out to be just a great shooter, but it was, it, it, I didn't see much of a difference, right? I mean, I knew, like I said, like he would come in, he would shoot more threes, put up uh, just uh, hundreds of shots before and after practice type deals. Uh, but again, we thought it, I thought it was kind of normal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so you mentioned that uh, the Houston Rockets are one of your favorite teams. Do you have any others besides them? Big LeBron guy, man. I love the yeah. Lakers. <laughs> love the Lakers, man. So, uh, love watching the Lakers. Um, I like, honestly, I'm a big, I like college sports better than I like the uh, professional. Um, but, I mean, with NBA being on my I love watching um, the Miami Heat. Love watching those guys. Love they just a gritty, nasty, like, dog team. Love Jimmy Butler. Um, Lakers. Um, I love watching. I'd I be excited to watch the Brooklyn team with KD and Kyrie mm-hmm. healthy. Um, loved watching that Golden State team. I know they beat my they beat my guy LeBron a few times, but loved watching that KD, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond, uh, Golden State team too. It's really interesting you say both the Heat and the Lakers are some of your favorite teams. So how are you feeling about this uh, this postseason? Uh, man, you know what? It was fun to watch. It was I, I, honestly, I think what the NBA did was something. I mean, that needs to be commended um, to go that long without any COVID cases and still have um, just the competitive basketball, the entertaining basketball that they that they had. Um, I was pulling for LeBron in the finals. Um, so I, and I think talent wise, I mean, again, I love Miami as just this team that just was a gritty dog type team. Um, but I knew that they didn't have the talent to, to beat, um, the Lakers. I just knew that they didn't have the talent. For sure. Yeah. I think pretty much everyone was just completely taken off guard by how well they did um but you said it perfectly yourself they they personally are one of my favorite teams as well just because i really i love that sort of grit that they bring um so did you ever feel like that throughout your career sort of like the underdogs i know you touched on how sam stephen f austin was kind of always looming over your shoulder did you ever kind of feel like you were the underdogs in a situation like that uh yeah, I mean, 100%. I mean, definitely with that, uh, I guess that Stephen F team going into that 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 final um, that final championship game because they had beat us twice that year. Um, I think the first game when we, when we played them there was a real tight game, and they came to Huntsville and we lost. Um, so this was kind of like, all right, we – uh, obviously we were the underdogs because they beat us both times. And so everybody's counting us out. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's good. It's always good. I, I honestly like rooting for the underdogs in some cases, which is why I like the Miami heat. Um, because I didn't, I wouldn't, I didn't mind if they won it. Honestly, I think that they had earned the, 
earned the right to be there. Um, so yeah, man, I'm a, uh, I appreciate a good underdog story. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that is a lot of, it's on a lot of people's minds at the moment is the upcoming draft. So I was wondering, like, have you been paying attention to it at all? Have you been keeping up with like some of the standout names or anything? Uh, I hadn't been paying into as far as draft, um, just as far as like the NBA teams. I know Golden State has a second second pick, but I like um, and just to mention somebody in that. I like uh, Obi Toppin. I love I love his game. I think him Anthony Edwards is a stud. He's gonna be a he's gonna be the real deal. Somebody's gonna be lucky to have him. Mm-hmm. James Wiseman, obviously a, a baller. Um, I'm not, I, and I could be wrong. I mean, I'm not so sold on LaMelo ball, LaMelo ball. I think he can play. Yeah. I'm just not sold on talent wise. Like, I don't think he can play at the NBA level talent wise consistently. I would right? agree with that. Yeah. And I could be wrong because I honestly wasn't a big John Morant fan. I mean, really? I, I, yeah, I didn't think he was just, I didn't think he was that nice. Mm. Um, I knew he could play. I knew he had the talent, but I just didn't didn't see what people were. Yeah, hype was. I was. He was. He was a player I loved watching this last season. Um, there's just something about his play style. It kind of reminds me of that sort of Russell Westbrook gritty. Yeah. So much fun to watch. Um, so what do you think teams look for when they're when they're ch- selecting who they're going to draft? Is it more of like a team? team necessary like team needs thing or is it just sort of like some traits are just preferable to others do you know you know i think it is definitely preference wise as far as like what the team needs in some cases um well in most cases but i think a lot of the nba draft is especially these last few years has been based on just potential Right. How, what's, what's this guy's ceiling? What, what, how far can these guys go? How, how much better can these guys get? Um, and I see that, especially with, especially with this draft, I think that's something that they'll, this draft and the next one being that there won't be much college basketball played, um, is going to be based off potential. Talent wise, this, this draft, I don't think there's a lot of it, honestly. Um, so it's going to be based off outside of your lottery picks. Um, after that, it's like, I mean, what's this guy ceiling? Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I think a lot of teams are looking for when they look at like a player like LaMelo Ball. There's someone who's super raw at the moment, but they know that just developing them, they have a chance to turn into a star almost. So would you say that's one of the reasons why he's viewed upon as being one of the top 10 picks in the draft, even top five in some cases? Yeah, 100%, man. Just uh, because, I mean, he went over to uh, Australia and these other leagues and, and balled out really at a, I mean, mm-hmm. at a young age. Um, so, again, I mean, I'm not taking away from the guy's talent. He can obviously play. Um, but I think in the NBA, is, I mean, it's 82 games. Is, is a lot. I mean, that's a lot of basketball. You're going from playing. He didn't play college, so he's not playing. I don't know. Maybe he played more than the 30 games or something like that. But big difference in, I mean, longevity-wise. Um, but I think that's what a lot of it is with him, just potential, um, how good he can be. Um, and I think 
where he lands is going to be a big deal for him too. Definitely, to, yeah. I think he has to be in the right spot. Mm. So you touched a little bit on this, but how do you feel about March Madness being canceled? And do you think that and COVID as a whole is going to be pretty detrimental for players who plan to declare for the drafts? Uh, you know, it'd be tough. I mean, it, it's going to be tough for those guys, but I mean, I think you have to be able to control what you can control. Um, and I think these guys, they have to be, um, it's out of their hands now. Right. Um, and I think I, I, I may be wrong, but these guys, and you may know, um, do they get an additional year of eligibility or? I'm not really sure. Honestly, I think, uh, I think they can choose to, to declare next year if they'd want to, but I'm not entirely sure about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough for those guys because again, I mean, you're going to have, you're not going to have a lot of playing film. Right. Um, so, but again, I mean, all you can do is, I mean, continue to get that from these guys standpoint, continue to get better, continue to train. Um, obviously March Madness is my favorite time of the year. My most favorite sporting event of the year. Uh, my wedding, I got, I mean, my wedding, my little hashtag thing was McKinney Madness. We got married in March. So it's kind of a little play on March Madness. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, man, it, it's, it's going to suck to not have it this year. But I mean, to me, I mean, this year has been one for the ages anyway. So. So, yeah. So besides Sam Houston, um, are, are, are there any other teams that are on your mind right now uh, going into this season? Uh, You know what? Being that I'm just in Houston now, I love I mean, I love U of H. Um, love watching those guys. I think they I mean, what? What they've done with that program is crazy. Um, so excited to watch them, man. Uh, as far as anybody else, I hadn't really looked at just like this upcoming season just because it's been in the air as far as what's going to happen. Sam Houston actually just put out their schedule, their non-conference schedule. I just got the text message or something like last week. Um, so it was kind of it was still in the air. So uh but yeah, for now, I mean, I love watching U of H, Sam, obviously. Um, I mean, I, I, I love watching all the like mid-major games that I can catch. Mm. So I guess we can finish up just talking about the present day. Um, we're nearly five years down the line from when you ended your collegiate career. So how do you feel looking back on it? Um, of course, you still keep in touch with your old teammates. Do you ever see them a lot? Or Yeah, you know what, man? I think that's one of the probably one of the best things about, I mean, just college sports, right? You, you, in sports in general, cause I mean, there's guys I still talk to from my high school team. We still got group chats and we'll talk about high school games. Um, but yeah, those, those guys I played in college with, went to war with all my brothers, uh, love them to death, would do anything for them, still talk to them. Um, DeMarcus, DeMarcus Gatlin, who was a guy I mentioned um, earlier, he, he was my best man in my wedding. Um, a bunch of those guys were able to make it to the wedding. So, yeah, still communicate with those guys. But we're actually doing a, uh, a reunion here soon. Um, um, so, yeah, I think, I mean, that's what, that's one of the beauties of college basketball and sports in general, just the brotherhoods that you make. 
Definitely. Uh, the friends that you get to meet, the relationships, which is huge. So, absolutely. For sure. So, I guess just to wrap it all up, what do you got going on now? Is there anything special like to mention that you're doing right now? or? Man, you know what? It's, it's crazy. It's just, I think I'm, I'm like living a regular life now. It was, <laughs> it was a transition. It was a tough... For me, it wasn't that bad, but I know like my old, some of my older teammates, or especially the guys who are just graduating, there's this tough transition because all you know is basketball, all you know is sports, right? And so after you graduate, there's a small percentage of guys who get to play overseas, who get to play professionally and play at the next level. Um, so, and that's a small percentage. So the guys who don't, I mean, all you know, I mean, for, for a guy like me, all I knew was basketball. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything else. I didn't really have much of a plan afterwards. Um, so there was this tough transitional stage, like a year, two years after after I graduated, like, man, what am I doing? Like, do I want to play basketball? Do I continue to? Um, but now, I mean, I've kind of come to the, uh, I've come to just to, uh, to know that I'm pro- like, I'm done playing. Obviously, I hung it up. Uh, I still play a lifetime pre COVID nineteen. I still play there. Get get a few buckets. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, I'm just kind of living a life. Just got uh, recently got married. For sure, uh, married to my beautiful wife, who works with your mom. Uh, yeah, the last <laughs> uh, But yeah, man, uh, coaching. So I started. One of the things that I've always kind of had a love for it. I mean, obviously the game, love the game, love the kind of analytics of it. Um, so started kind of coaching AAU, seventh grade. Uh, oh, so yeah. seventh grade guys out of his uh, Coos Elite AAU team. We're on the Under Armour circuit out of, out of Houston, Texas. Um, season got cut short this year, but obviously next year, hopefully we pick back, pick back up where we left off. Uh, but yeah, other than that, man, just working. That's it's awesome, working. man, for sure. Uh, well, that just about wraps it up, I think. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, thank you so much, man. There you have it, folks. Markel McKinney, former Sam Houston State basketball player. Markel, I cannot thank you enough. Um, this was a phenomenal opportunity. Um, I hope everyone listening had as much of a great time listening as I had recording it. Um, with that being said... I do believe it's time for us to delve into some of the news of everything that's been going on this week. Um, I I decided that the best place to start would probably be the draft. Um, just because I think I can probably cover just about all of it in the time that I have left. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think I'm going to get through it in the time I have left, which is about uh, 18 minutes now. And if I finish it, which I don't, I'm sure I'll finish it, but I don't think I'll have time to move into anything else. But if I do, I'll start talking about free agency. And if that conversation gets cut short, then I'll just go ahead and start talking all about that next week. Uh, But for now, let's go ahead and get into our discussion on the 2020 NBA draft. So for the first two picks, I actually did a somewhat decent job in predicting them. Um... I successfully guessed that the Timberwolves would pick Anthony Edwards and the Warriors would draft James Wiseman, um, as did a lot of other people, so I'm not too uh, proud of myself for that one. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, these are both very 
uh, solid picks that everyone was expecting. Um, Anthony Edwards, of course, is uh, probably one of the most ready players just out of out of uh, college. Um, even though there were a lot of there was a lot of buzz around him because of some comments that he said regarding how he'd rather play in the NFL because you can spike the ball and dance, and he'd rather be a NBA rapper, but not like Dame Lillard. He wants to be more like Lil Baby. Um, not sure how I feel about that. Not sure how the front office of the Timberwolves feel about that sort of mentality. Um, he also said he can't watch basketball. He can't get into it, so I'm sure he's going to be a blast to watch film with. Um, but, I mean, he seems like he has a good head on his shoulders besides all of the things that he says, I guess. Um, I think if the if the team really just irons out his um, mentality a little bit more, I think he can be a really solid addition to the team. And then, of course, James Wiseman. I mean, he is also built perfectly for the NBA. He's only played three games of college basketball, though, so he hasn't probably played in a while because of COVID and everything, so team just got to really work on his uh, shooting. I think it's going to be a really big thing for them. And also just refining his role as a rim runner and a rim protector. Um, I think his role is going to be even more emphasized now with the injury of Clay Thompson, which is incredibly unfortunate for the Warriors. And my, my heart really just goes out to him. Um, but I think that's going to make James Wiseman pick on a, a much bigger role, honestly. Um for a couple of reasons i mean number one just to handle some of that offensive pressure that clay obviously provided it number two if they do decide to just blow it up in the next three or four years if their their championship window is closing then i think he's their he's obviously the youngest asset and i think he's the one they're going to try to build around in the future so i definitely am glad that they drafted james wiseman uh, first two picks of course i think we're a lock um, number three is when I started to get a little off track. Um, I predicted the Horns to draft Onyeka and Kongwu. They drafted Lamelo Ball, which I'm not too surprised by, just based upon how everyone's been hyping up Lamelo. And I, I had him a lot, not a lot lower. I had him one spot lower. So I, I wasn't one of the people who was like, oh, he's completely overrated. He's not gonna be good in the NBA. I wasn't like going on him like that you know but i i'm not sure obviously the horns got something planned for him that's all that's all i'm gonna say about that one um i mean yeah everything everything that you can say about Lamelo has already been said um he's definitely gonna be a project for the next few years i can imagine they're a pretty young team i believe the hornets so they definitely got time to refine him refine his shooting refine his playmaking skills even further i guess uh he's definitely as many people have said the player with the highest potential upside in this entire draft so while i don't think it's a surprise that he went number three i i wouldn't be i wouldn't have been surprised if he went lower is what i'm saying i guess you know um a surprise though was the Bulls drafting Patrick Williams at number four. And this is something that completely took me off guard. I mean, I don't even know. I'm trying to see if I even actually had. Yeah, I had Patrick Williams going 13th with New Orleans. Um, I had no idea that he was going to go this early. And I don't think most people did, really. Um, he, I loved his story, though. The whole thing with like the flowers. I thought it was really cute. 
I think he's definitely going to be a good presence in the locker room just based on that alone, but he is very raw. I mean, he's a um, defensive stalwart, I guess you could call him. Like He's very good on defense, but he was playing off the bench when he was at Florida State. Uh, their team was centered around defense, and he, so he wasn't putting up like crazy numbers or anything. He definitely has to demonstrate a lot uh, for this pick to be valuable in the eyes of the Bulls, I believe. I definitely think they, they have time, just like the Hornets, to start developing him and refining some of his offensive skills. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this this completely took me off guard, especially in regards to some of the people that, that slipped further in the draft. I mean, I, I definitely did not see Williams going this high, and I'm glad for him, and I definitely don't think he's a bad player in any respect. Uh, I'm just... I definitely want to see him play first. Uh, I haven't really watched too much like highlights on him or anything. It's I've just read a lot about him, especially after um, the draft itself, because there was a lot of buzz about this pick because most people weren't expecting it like me. But, I mean, there's always a chance he's going to be a very solid contributor to the Bulls. I, I think it's honestly probable, but it definitely needs to do... The team definitely needs to have a lot of refining going on for him if they want him to be spectacular for the team. The rest of the picks, I mean, are pretty standard. Um, I'd, I didn't get the teams that drafted each person right, but the Cavaliers selected Okoro, the Hawks selected Okongwu, the Pistons selected Killian Hayes, Knicks drafted Obi Toppin, uh, the Wizards selected Denny Avdija. I can never say his name, is it? Avdija. Avdija. Denny Avidia. Av- Never mind, Denny. Um, the Suns draft- drafting Jalen Smith, I was a little surprised by. I thought they were going to go for someone uh, smaller. I think they had I had them drafting Devin Vassell, yeah, uh, who fell further than I was expecting by a long shot, actually. He was drafted 11th by the Spurs, which is a great pickup for them. The Kings drafted Tyrese Halliburton at 12, which is a pretty big drop compared to what I was expecting him to go. I thought he was going to get selected by the, the Pistons at number 7. Um, I definitely think that's a, that's a great pickup for the Kings. Uh, you really can't get much better than that at that position with everyone already taken off the table. Um, Pelicans drafted Kira Lewis Jr. and the Celtics drafted Aaron Nesmith, which, or Nesmith. Nesmith? Nesmith? I don't... I am so bad at names, especially when, like, a lot of these, I'm just reading them. So, apologies if if uh, <laughs> any of these families are in the crowd tonight, <laughs> because I am probably butchering your names. Um, but, I mean, besides that, I guess... That's, that's the top 14. Those are the picks that most people care about. There were definitely some picks later on, especially Sadiq Bey. I was surprised he dropped to 19. Um... I'm surprised the Nets didn't keep him either. They traded him to the uh, Pistons, actually, which I would have kept them. I would have kept Sadiq if I was the Nets because he is a great 3 and D player from what I can tell. Um, but, I mean, I have to look at the trade. I, I honestly don't remember what the trade deal was for, but um, that was someone I was surprised by dropping to 19. The Thunder selected um, Alexej Pokusevsky. Um, well, the Timberwolves drafted him, but he was traded to the Thunder in uh, one of their deals, um, which I think is a great pickup for them. I He's been getting a lot of hype in the media recently and in a couple of draft boards before the draft, 
And for good reason, from what I can tell, he is basically like a taller Jokic, really. He's super tall. I believe he's like 7'1", 7'2", something like that. Um, super skilled, though. He's an, he's an incredibly good ball handler for his height, which is a honestly a great thing to have. Like so having, having a big who is able to handle the ball like, for example, Jokic does. That is an amazing asset for any team to have. He's a lot skinnier than Jokic is. Um, dude is, has a very wiry frame, um, which I'm wondering if they're going to like make this dude start to put on some pounds before he goes out in a game. But from what I can tell, he definitely seems like a valuable contributor if the, if the uh, Thunder want to use him to his full potential. So I definitely think that's going to be a good pickup for them. Um, speaking of the Thunder, though, I mean, Sam Presti's going wild with getting these picks. This guy is, he's trading everybody for picks. I mean, I think I, he has, what, like 36 now? Like 35? I I don't know what he's going to do with all these picks, man. <laughs> um, he's, I guess he's chasing that high that he got from drafting three MVPs in that little span, like 2006, 2007. Um... <laughs> I, I guess he's trying to run it back. I guess he's trying to get some more talent, which remains to be seen, I guess. I think he has got like picks loaded up for the rest of this decade, so he's definitely set for a while in terms of trying to get talent. Um, but yeah, that was a good pickup for them. Besides that, um, RJ Hampton got taken at 24th, which 10 spots below I predicted him going, uh, being selected 14th by the Boston Celtics. Uh, he got traded to the Nuggets. Um, it's probably a good pickup for them. I mean, I'm not too big on RJ Hampton. I haven't like done a ton of research on him or anything, but I definitely do think he could be a valuable contributor uh, just based upon his high school performances. Um, what else? The Celtics drafting Peyton Pritchard at 26 was something I was also surprised by. I know a lot of drafts had him going in the second round. Um, I'm, I think it's for the best, though. I mean, this guy is honestly... I think pretty slept on. He is a great contributor um, just from his scoring alone. He is a phenomenal scorer. And if the, if the uh, Celtics have him off their bench just sitting out there shooting threes, because he, I think he hits them at like a, what, 42% clip or something like that. It's, it's, it's insane. Um, I think he's going to be a great contributor off the bench. So, um, yeah, that's a great pick by them. Besides that... Um, yeah, the Rockets um, actually had a pick this draft. Um, they actually had two, I believe. One of them they traded away after receiving it in the Robert Covington trade. I believe that was the 17th pick. Maybe the 14th, I can't really remember. I think it was the 17th. Um, but then they traded that away again, and they got the um, 52nd pick, I believe, from the... Pistons, I think. I might be wrong about that one. I'm not entirely sure. But they drafted Kenyon Martin Jr. with that one, which that's uh I haven't done a lot of research on him, but apparently he's actually a pretty good pick uh for this low in the draft. I mean I'm that's that's pretty much what the Rockets are gonna have to go for in these next couple of years, just kind of getting these lower second round draft maybe like lower first round drafts um 
uh, role players to put around Harden if they can keep him. Um, any other major scorer they can get besides Harden if they decide to just blow it up. Um, and if they do decide to blow it up, they just need young talent in general. So ideally, the higher the pick, the better for them. Um, I'm not sure what exactly their plan is regarding keeping Harden, keeping Westbrook. It's It's been a mess so far. Um, I'm going to leave some of that discussion for another time, though, because I... I can keep going about that for quite a while because, yeah, this has not been a great great week for the Rockets. It hasn't been a great, like, month for the Rockets, honestly. Like, <laughs> yeah, they have been getting just slapped left and right. I mean, it's awful. Um, but that just about covers it for the draft. I mean, there's... I, I'm not going to go through all the picks, obviously. I don't have time. I don't think any of y'all care to go through all the picks. And if you do, I mean, <laughs> there's plenty of resources online for you there. But, yeah, I mean, it definitely was a weaker draft, as everyone's been saying. But I do think that there are probably going to be some, some hidden gems in this draft. It, I think there's a very good possibility of that. Maybe a couple people who win the second round, some the lower first round. I'm looking at Peyton Pritchard especially. I definitely think he might become a massive contributor for the Celtics or a team that picks him up later on um, if he continues the performance that he was putting on in college. But besides that, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. And you're going to have to wait and see to hear about all this news of this past week for next time because... I'm unfortunately running out of time for this episode, but next week is going to be jam-packed with information. We're going to be talking about all the free agency news that's going on and all the news of this past week, and it is going to be, there's going to be a lot. I'm just going to say that straight up, um, but it's going to be a fun time, honestly. So with that, you've been listening to Records and Rebounds on KVRX Austin, HD1 and HD2. This is DJ Vodsek signing out. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.